nine rounds of golf for $90? Yep. The Minnesota Golf Passport is back and available now at garagelogic.com. As a golf passport card holder, you're entitled to nine 18 whole rounds of golf for just one low price of $90. Supplies are limited, so just go to garagelogic.com and type keyword passport. A $300 golf value for just 90 bucks. Now you got it. GarageLogic.com. Keyword, Passport. You know that great line from Diner? Oh, there's a hundred of them. Which one? Did you ever get the idea there's something going on out there we don't know anything about? Oh, boy, there's That's a the lot going on. That's the way I feel on. when I watch a team like Kansas City play. Holy mackerel. <laughs> we don't have that here. Yeah. We don't well, have that. you heard the Houston news today, right, on the baseball team, yes. the Astros? Yes. And as I said on Twitter, at least they have the Texans playoff run to go to uh, comfort them yeah, yeah. <laughs> after after blowing after not only blowing a twenty four point lead but getting blown out. It was it truly incredible? Truly it was, incredible! It was fantastic. Your guy Mahomes has made you uh, oh. made you an even bigger fan. I oh, would think. Oh my word! I can't get enough of that kid. He's just so fantastic. He made uh, he made. Uh, who am I thinking of? Oh, Deshaun Watson looked like, yeah, like and, cousins. And Deshaun Watson, you need an axe to knock him down. Right. But uh, he's, uh, you know, man alive. Well, you see those guys play quarterback, and you wish Kirk had just a little more mobility. Just a little you? bit more. A little <laughs> bit. Just a little bit more. I think on uh, Saturday, our guy Kirk started ducking a little early on some of those, but I don't blame him. His life was in danger. Not a good offensive line, is it? Ooh, you know, uh, uh, they always talk about Zim wanting to protect his defense with the running game. I think he's protecting that offensive line with a running game because uh, that was just a porous, porous effort. Joe. Yes. Against the Packers. Yep. They had in uh, December, they had seven first downs. Mm -hmm. That was their lowest total since 1971 in a game. And they equaled it yesterday, or Saturday, and they were lucky because they got two after the game was over in the last five minutes or Isn't so. something? Wow. Seven first downs, 147 yards. And until uh, garbage time where they got 60-some yards, they had 80-some yards. They went 27 minutes without a first down. It was not competitive. Oh, no, it wasn't. It, it was, was a beating. Yeah. I was at you were talking I heard you talking about the Fort Myers Beach Bar for Packer fans. Well, yeah, were you there? I was I was at the Fort Myers Beach Bar Saturday for Viking fans. Not a lot of celebration going no. on there. What's no, the name we, of that bar? Is that the parent? The uh, Lighthouse T- Tiki Bar. Lighthouse is, Tiki uh, bar. where they set it up and uh now, last when I went there two years ago, I ran into this bachelorette party where they were all hammered and crazy Viking fans. And then uh, Diggs uh, caught the pass from Keenum, and they had a good time. Yeah. But uh, this time the crowd was uh, I was about average age, and they were a bunch of cheap asses that weren't buying many drinks. And it was uh, it was it was a very quiet. Uh, well, then and, why uh, go if you're not buying any drinks? Why even go? 
I well, they they buy a beer once in a while, but it's not like they're there to get completely hammered, which sure. is why you should be in a. You think that Packer bar Joe was talking about? There was anybody sober in the whole place? <laughs> Hell no. Hey, at least we got a great Timberwolves and Wild uh, season to look forward <laughs> to here. Holy man! You know, everybody was excited about the Wild having eleven home games out of the next twelve after they play Pittsburgh. They're home for eleven out of twelve, but. It's gotten to the point in the NHL it doesn't make any difference. You're home and or away. It's going to be three to two, and well, you know, they got you, hammered again yesterday. Four, uh, to, four one. to one. That's yeah. okay. Yeah. So uh, they're not going yeah. to the playoffs, Pat. They're, they're, uh, they're now. The I think they're now eight points behind already. So there's that's, no it, evidence it to suggest they're going to make up that difference. Well, they'll have to have a big. Uh, they'll have to have a big uh, hard uh, core uh, homestand. And as I say, if they can keep Luke Dillon away, maybe they got a chance. Yeah. I, I haven't checked this. <laughs> I haven't checked shot. to see if he watched. Uh, if he was in attendance for uh, Sunday's abomination. Sounds like not. he may have been. So anyway, the Astros. Wow. That's a uh, quite a find. Uh, five million. Well, Jim Crane, you you played at Jim Crane's golf course. Yeah, the Floridian. The Floridian, yeah. yes. He spends more time there than he does bothering with the Astros. But uh, the uh, the general manager and the manager, I was surprised Hinch got suspended. I figured the general manager would, but then uh, first and second rounders for the next two years in the draft, too. So they're trying to send a message to uh, the uh, – uh, the other teams in Major League Baseball that, with all this technology, be honest. Stop cheating, USOBs. Mm-hmm. Right? I this this might help a little. Well, bit. I, I'm getting a bit of an education here because uh, when I hear about you know these teams trying to steal signs, I've always filed it under the same mischief as. Uh, you know, Gaylord Perry having a nail file in his pocket. Yeah, <laughs> except that was when a guy was out at second base and using his own astuteness to pick up on a pattern. It wasn't with a camera zeroed in yeah. and uh, having four analytic guys uh, deciding what the uh, pattern is for the uh, stealing signs. It's uh, This is a little different. Reavers, uh, I'm right, right? The World Series film... Showed the little tent where they had yes. the garbage can, right? And you could hear it. You could hear the guy banging on it right before the pitch was delivered I mean, every time. They had what's called prima facie evidence that these guys were doing this. No, I'm converted. I think it's wrong. I'm, yeah. I'm converted. Well, and Alex Cora over here, who won with the Red Sox in 2018, and supposedly they were stealing signs uh, tech, with their technology. Uh, He's going to end up getting suspended, too, because he was a bench coach in 2017 in Houston. So he took part of these concepts with him. Uh, he, I, I bet that they're going to they're not going to slap the Red Sox nearly as hard as they did Houston. But I bet Cora gets suspended. You know, Joe, in the town ball circuit, uh, you know, we're known for stealing signs because we play the same 12 teams every yeah, year. Sure. So we know what everybody else's signs well, are all plus the time. Plus, it's one, two and three. They put down three <laughs> <Right>. fingers. <laughs> There isn't a whole lot of rubbing them across your chest and that kind of stuff. So, yeah, you can do it there. How much did you like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? I liked it. I, I, I liked. I, I can take it or leave it. I uh, I don't know. I like you know the once you get used to them in his in his uh, movie uh, where they they killed all the Nazis uh, what was the name of that one the Brad Pitt movie oh, I know they, I like that Inglorious Inglorious yeah, Bastards once you get once you uh, get used to the idea that he's going to give you an alternate view of history mm-hmm. uh, I, I, I I did kind of like the fact that uh, 
that they came up with a way for Sharon Tate not to get stabbed to death. So right. I, I liked it. I, I liked have to it. admit, I liked when he threw on the flamethrower at the end, too. <laughs> yes, he likes flamethrowers, Fried Matty. squeaky from in the pool. <laughs> yeah, he had, he did, of course, he had the flamethrower in the, uh, in, in Glorious Bastards, too. Oh, yeah. So I think, uh, I might be rushing into this, but I think our younger, uh, co-workers, might not have a proper appreciation that you and I do for the great Buck Henry, who dead, died. mangled puppies. The dead, 89 years old. Yeah. One of the most perverse senses of humor in the history of man. He's my idol. And, of course, uh, when he was Frank Nolan uh, taking a, on a TV talk show with 10 lines. Yep. And he started off with uh, tax-free municipal bonds right. as his show, <laughs> as his topic. And it ended up being, I think, Russian communists, the Soviet communists should be allowed to break into your home and kill your puppies. <laughs> Call me now. <laughs> and that didn't get any calls. He couldn't get any calls on that. He also... In, in, in an attempt to get calls, he also supported incest. Yeah. I practice it. How about you? <laughs> uh, <laughs> incest. Uh, no toilets for the blind. They make too big a mess. And uh, no toilets for the blind and a uh, couple other things. It was – but but his whole, his whole deal – I looked up some stuff on him, Joe uh, – in, from 1959 to 1962, he was just out of college. I think he was a Dartmouth guy or something. He, uh, he, he and a guy named Alan Abel came up with a character named C. Clifford Prout mm -hmm. from 1959 to 1962. And C. Clifford Prout, who was played by Buck, would appear on talk shows as being morally outraged the morally outraged president of the Society for Indecency to Naked Animals. <laughs> he pushed the idea that animals who are shamelessly permitted to run around in public naked should be clothed. <laughs> people believed people believed this moral satire to the point that they were starting to have him appear on talk shows, and then they would make fun of him. And one of the guys who had him appear... In all seriousness, was Walter Cronkite apparently had some kind of a show. Oh boy! And uh, even Walter fell for it. And once Walter found out, he never forgave Buck Henry <laughs> for putting him over on it. But I was going back and looking at the Saturday Night Live stuff from those early years. No way they could get away with today what they got away with now. Remember Henry playing Uncle Roy? Vaguely. Uncle Roy was an overt pedophile babysitter, <laughs> babysitter who lasciviously enjoyed the innocent games Lorraine Newman and Gilded Radner played as the children he I was do watching. Now. Yep. <laughs> yes. wow. And when the skit is about to end, you can't help but think of the boundaries of bad taste. Then Henry ruefully adds, I think there's an Uncle Roy in every family. <laughs> you could not, you couldn't even think about getting away with that today. Yeah. And he was, I mean, it was, uh, it was incredible stuff. Pat, and, a quote from your uh, Society for Indecency to, Indecency to Naked Animals reporter. What kind of clothes do you propose to put on all the naked animals of the country? Henry, simple, decent, and comfortable clothing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, he was screwy. He was uh, unbelievable. There was nothing 
too outrageous for him. And of course, he he wrote the Graduate. He did the uh, did the Hollywood script for uh, uh, Catch Twenty Two, which had to be a damn near impossible uh, script to write. And uh, he did uh, what all kinds. Of, he also was a uh, get smarter get smart originator. Yeah, yeah. Which wow. people which people didn't get that at all. If you if you tried that fully satire today, it would never uh, never work. The owl and the pussycat. What's up, Doc? And to die for. And I didn't know that he co-directed uh, Heaven Can Wait in 1978 with uh, Warren Beatty, sharing an Oscar nomination for Best Director. He always put himself in his own movies, too. Yes, he well, did. Alfred Hitchcock did that. In, uh, in uh, Catch-22, he played a colonel, a Colonel Corn, And uh, I can't remember who the other colonel was. I think Martin Balsam, maybe, who was. And uh, the Yosarian, uh, the great Alan Arkin, Wanted, you know, was just like completely mind blown as far as the war was concerned. He wanted to go home, and uh, and Corn and uh, Buck Henry and Martin Balsam said they'd send him home if he told them they liked him, <laughs> <laughs> or if he if he told them that he liked them, they yeah. were going to let him go home. Of course, uh, Heller's Joseph Heller's Catch Twenty Two is one of the funniest books ever written in a in a perverse way. But yeah. uh, God, I love. It. I I just thought he was just properly nuts that's yep. for sure he was uh and saturday night live is we i mean when it started we had to be there every saturday night didn't Absolutely. we i mean i mean at ten thirty at night saturday night it was uh, no matter what you were doing even if you were out drinking rowdily you had to be home to watch <laughs> right. saturday night live Absolutely true because there was no taping to do if you had missed it this time you had to wait till summer to see it again and they'd do anything back then because there was an appreciation for satire that we certainly don't have today. Set the scene where you are right now. I am in the Hammond Stadium press box, and there's a very uh, tragic uh, event taking place down here. Gladden's refrigerator has gotten unplugged, Uh-oh. so there's no place to keep the uh, Diet Cokes cold oh, while I'm no. here today. It's a very, uh, you know, usually... Uh, that but when I get here in this time of year, they got her plugged in, and and the plug in. I tried to plug it in, and uh, the plug is like all. I, I don't think they wanted. I don't think they wanted plugged in because they got everything all bent and everything. So I was. A, it's I was. Not... I, I wanted a cold diet coke, but I was risking electric uh, being electrocuted. So I is somebody playing a prank on you though? It could be that one. I the outlet mm-hmm. I saw at the airport. That was a sticker of an outlet. And yes. Around the outlet, it was hacked to absolutely nothing because people were so mad they couldn't get it in there. So just make sure you're not you being know who, You know who did that? Buck Henry. That's yeah. yes, Buck Henry. Buck deal. Henry would have done that. There no, are there any ball players frolicking? Uh, well, just of. They, uh, we had the uh, fantasy campers here uh, last week. And I just I stopped by Saturday, and uh, uh, Perky's team, Perky's now a coach at Fantasy Camp. His team was playing for the world championship. But they had about 120 guys down here of various ages from 30 to 75 probably. Yeah. Ten teams, 120 guys. And then they leave, and then the minor leaguers start shooting. They have about 40 pitchers over here, young pitchers. They, they call it their command camp. That means throw strikes. Right. <laughs> They're having a. They got a bunch of kids over here. They got fifteen of these uh, analytical guys and new coaches. And uh, Joe, there's uh, 
and Wetmore came up with this. They have added, they keep adding and adding to their minor league staffs and stuff. They have hired since last year 13 guys from colleges that are now part of the pro organization. Boy, they're really into the analytics they, now. And they're into the college guys who they must think are smarter or been using them or something. But they got, like the manager of their Class A farm club down here, the now named the Mighty Muscles mm-hmm. instead of the Miracle. The Mighty Muscles, I think they're trying to sell T-shirts. Is that an official but, change they really yes, made? Yes, yeah. yes. I yes. didn't know that. Muscles from, as in seafood? Yes. Okay. But I don't know why they're mighty. mighty. They had to make them mighty. And they you got this outrageous, grotesque logo, which they hope sells some T-shirts. But uh, he's from, like, Montana hyphen Billings, a Division Two school they hired him away from to be the manager down here. They're uh, they're really diving into the the idea that you'd have the same pitching coach in the minor leagues for thirty years is long since past. These guys are they got all these young uh, young deep thinkers now. Did I see that Toby is the new manager for Toby Triple A? Yeah, I would guess that uh, Ramon Borrego, who's uh, the guy in Pensacola Double A, and they like him a lot. But I would guess he wanted to stay in Florida. I think uh, so. Toby Gardner is now their AAA manager. So they must like him a lot. Did Gardner survive with Detroit? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Against his against his best wishes. <laughs> tried. Yeah, he, did. he tried, but <laughs> they said, no, you can't like, quit. Oh, really? I mean, like, middle of September, he said, I'd like to be back, but I could understand if, yeah. they, if they fired me and they wouldn't do it. <laughs> I would really like to go home and collect my two and a half billion, not having to watch this clown well, show. What's but funny is, didn't they start out twenty and they were eighteen and nineteen, That's I think, and they ended up what forty one <laughs> and a hundred. They had a, they got lucky the last week. They had a rainout. Uh, <laughs> I think I think they were forty three and a hundred uh, or four. 42 and 119, but they didn't get to lose 120 because they got rained out. Wow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Who do you like tonight, somebody, Patrick? Oh, let me say this. Somebody uh, tweeted me and said, uh, how come they didn't play 162 games? They said they got lucky with yeah. the weather. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I like my LSU Bayou Bengals. I like the Tigers. Uh, of course, they're both Tigers, but uh, I don't think it's a cinch, but LSU's uh, has a more explosive offense, although this quarter, this long-haired quarterback from Clemson's a son of a gun too. So. These are two of the best quarterbacks in college football. Yep. Uh, this game will last four hours, baby. This mm-hmm. uh, don't you think uh, the winner's going to be in the forties, aren't they, Reeves? Oh heavens, yes. Yeah, yeah, I think so. But I got to root for Ed Orgeron. <laughs> There's no doubt about it, man. Now tell me you about mean, him. What's your appeal? Well, he's a he's from the Bayou, man. He's yeah. from way down there. Uh, and uh, I, I wrote a column about him the other day and only used half the stories, but I got to talk to uh, the Brian Butch Arsenault, who grew up with him and then played college football with him in Northwest. But uh, Ed liked his cocktails in his youth, mm-hmm. as he looks like he, he quit a few years back, but one of his buddies says he'd rather fight than eat yeah. <laughs> when, he was, when he was in the bars. He got fired, you know, at the University of Miami. He was their defensive line coach because he was back home in Baton Rouge and got in a bar fight and headbutted somebody. <laughs> this is 92, I think. And then uh, 
and then he got. But the best story. Did you read that column I yeah, wrote? Yes. Uh, the, the best was when his buddy, when his buddy Arsenal broke his leg playing in Shreve, in the state fair game in Shreveport against Louisiana Tech, and it, they were going to take him to the hospital, and he said, "No, no, Butch, don't go to the hospital. We're going out tonight." Yeah. So. <laughs> So basically, he carried him from bar to bar on his back with a broken leg. <laughs> <laughs> carried him, carried him into the toilet. Well, how do we not root for this guy? Oh, you have no, to. you got to root for. Him. Have you heard him talk, Joe? Oh yeah, a little drawl. He's his cage. Yeah, but he's got this growl. I yeah, want to hear a sports talk radio show hosted by Ed Orgeron and Pat Williams. <laughs> yes, that's right. Wouldn't that, Wouldn't be, that great? be great? Oh. Yeah, yeah. Because I think Ed, I think Ed is actually. Almost easier to understand than Pat. Oh yeah. And and Ed, you couldn't under you can't understand anything. But I'm I'm very upset that I didn't get a hold of Mama. I couldn't get Coco on the phone. His mother, who's five foot ten, yep. and still lives on the bayou and is Cajun as can be, and uh, apparently a character of the first magnitude. And the other guy I had in there, Arsenal's mother, which I love this story too. Was Fury. Her nickname was Fury. And I said, why is she Fury? And he said, just the reason you'd suspect she could go from zero to a hundred faster than anybody in history. <laughs> and he says, two cancer surgeries survived. Nothing's changed. He said, she's in her eighties and she still gets agitated every time. I mean, it's just, I mean, it's an amazing story. If you grew up with this guy who was, uh, you know, got thrown out of, Basically went to LSU. He lasted two weeks. He came back. He was digging ditches and shoveling shrimp. And now he's coaching. Now he's coaching the, you know, LSU, which is as big as the Saints and probably all around the state. It's it's bigger. It's, well, here uh, he is right now. Oh, it's pretty big. Are we going to have another one of these? Derek, you going to tell him to be quiet? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Go ahead. This is his press conference from last week. You know, uh, Terrace is a little bit uh, further ahead than uh, Damien. I think both of them are going to play. Damien is running straight ahead. Uh, He's running straight ahead yesterday on his own. I think the cutting is the the thing that uh, he's got to get used to, but it's only Monday in the game week. I expect him to play. I expect both of them to play. It seems like he's so nervous when he talks. Uh, He played here in the 90s. Right. Dark times, not a lot of success. He said that you told him when you won the SEC, this is for everybody who's ever won the That's correct. That's right. That's right. No question. This is for everybody. I mean, you know, I watched LSU football since I can remember. Uh, Coach Lindenbaum recruited me. In fact, Coach Lindenbaum was my neighbor when I was two years old. He coached at South Coast High School. So I have a long history with LSU. I watched Ronnie yesterday. Charlie Mack was one of my favorite coaches. I just love the way the teams play. And I knew one day I'd get a chance to represent LSU, and it's just representing all the guys that played in the purple and gold. Uh, that's what we live for is an opportunity for us to represent them on a big stage, and that's what we want to do. But Brian Madden. It just, he seems like, I mean, if he was yelling at me, if I was a fifth-string quarterback, which I was in my life, I would be panicked that I didn't understand what the hell he just told me. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, i Fortunately, if you're a Louisiana kid, you, if you weren't Cajun, you grew up around them. Probably. So you, you can understand them. I but could understand them. I could understand you, them. You know who his quarterback was in high school and college? Bobby Hebert. 
who then became the Saints quarterback. He was the guy when the Vikings went down there and kicked their ass. He's a sports talk sh- in, in 87 or 8, and uh, he's a sports talk show do- uh, host down there. But Bear said, I, was, I saw a quote from him saying that Ed Orgeron is the last hope for the survival of Cajun French. Yeah. <laughs> because he and his mother... He and his mother, there's a little film clip of them talking Cajun French to each other on a, on a, on a video hookup. And that's, you know, a, a completely invented language down there in the bayou that includes Spanish and English. And, uh, you know, they, they, they got this language of their own down African, uh, about Native American. And it's this mingle of the whole thing that goes back for 400 years and, uh, and he and his mom still talking to each other. All these guys grew up, you know, who lived down there. In, uh, in the, he's fifty eight. At that age, their parents were still talking French. Isn't down that there. something? Yeah, it's those uh, days are really long. I tell you what, I'm not sad that I didn't go to the, wasn't able to cover the Vikings game in New Orleans. But I wish I'd been on that assignment because I would have went down two days early and driven down to the bayou and see where these guys come from. It's a, it's, I think I read it's 37 miles long, this bayou and these, all these little towns there. And he and his buddy Arsenal used to shovel shrimp in the, in the summer. Yeah. That'd be their summer job. They get $5 an hour because back in the, whenever the, you know, in the late seventies. I'm just early. seeing saving Forrest Gump here. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But the shrimp would be stacked 10 feet high, and they'd have to shovel it into these baskets up above their head. You're in there 14 hours a day in the summer. You might not smell real good when it's over. (laughs) And he said their friend Ricky would pick him up to take him to the bar, but he'd made him sit in the trunk. (laughs) (laughs) So they'd go to the bar. you got to be a real persuasive guy to come in there after 15 hours of shoveling shrimp and get some young lady to come home with you, don't you think? What was your what was your connection, Pat, to LSU football when you were young? Did oh, you... when I was a kid uh, in the late 50s, uh, there was a, a radio station down there that they played Saturday nights. Nobody else played Saturday nights. And there was a radio station down there like the big neighbor that had the, the you know, the clear channel signal. And I started listening to him in like 57, and, and I listened to him for three, four years pretty faithfully. Were those they the were, Billy Cannon years? Yeah, yeah. They won the national championship in 58. But what I recall about it is the din in the background. You know, you'd listen to a gopher game and you'd hear some cheering. But at LSU, it was like a constant Din and you just knew that, you know, there was only it only held fifty thousand then. It holds eighty or ninety. I told you the story about the lieutenant colonel, didn't I? No. The lieutenant colonel when he before he was a lieutenant colonel, he was a corporal or some damn thing. He went over. He was stationed in Biloxi, and he went over and met some LSU football fans on Friday night in in on Bourbon Street. And they convinced him to go to the game the next day. So he he went down to the game and he got to the tailgate. And he had no recollection of what happened in the second half. And he woke up next to a pot of uh, of gumbo being cooked out in the middle of the bayou some damn place. <laughs> <laughs> he, he, he woke up there and it turned out I was telling him about 
this town, you know, where this guy's from, LaRose or says, yeah, he said, I was like three miles from there in Cutoff, <laughs> which is the hometown of Bobby Hebert. And these guys, he said, they partied all day and then they drove him back to Biloxi at three o'clock in the morning <laughs> or some damn thing. And uh, they all slept in his little room down there. And that luckily he, uh, luckily he didn't get bounced out of the service then, and uh, is now near retirement. But, we have uh, uh, we have Ogeron and his mother here. Just a minute. He says, "Stay away." Come on, Sava. C'est bébé, c'est bien content pour être le coach à LSU aujourd'hui. Tu n'es pas en illusion. Il y a secondes de sa vie, mon garçon, pour être head coach à LSU. My son. Mm. They'll see how the Cajuns are really like. Mm. Loving, giving, hardworking people. That's all we know. Not much, but it's all I can find. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's, uh, there's a few. Uh, uh, Coco's been overwhelmed, of course, with uh, the uh, requests from the uh, from the media. <laughs> but, uh, wow. <laughs> and it's, uh, yeah, it's an amazing story. He was at... Uh, he was an old Miss Joe and from 2005 to 2008, mm-hmm. and he won, what was it, seven or eight games total. He was terrible, and he got fired. But he's in the blind side. He's one of the coaches that they have coming to recruit uh, the Michael O'Hare, the, the, the kid that's a featured attraction in the blind side. And he'd already been fired at Ole Miss, but he agreed to come up and uh, tape the Taped uh, in the into the movie to be put in the film. Speaking so. of Ole Miss, we got to go to an Egg Bowl now that Leach is in. Oh, Leach and Lane, Lane Kiffin, <laughs> this is heaven, man. Except you know what, Leach, he was stuck up there in uh, Pullman, Washington, but he's got himself in the SEC West now. Oh. Good luck, buddy. Good luck, LSU and uh, Alabama and Auburn and. You know, good luck. That's not exactly like playing in the in the Pac-12 North. That's for sure. How far is Baton Rouge from from New Orleans? Oh, I looked it up. It's is a ways. It? It's a couple hours. I yeah. think it's it's a ways. Yeah, it's not it's not right next to not not like not right next to it. That's for sure. But they, I, I was looking at the map, and they got like these three peninsulas that stick down into the Gulf, and. Uh, this one is that he grew up on is the middle one, but I was talking to Killer Anderson, and uh, that's that's their big hunting area down there. They they kill some ducks down there. Mm-hmm. Somehow this guy managed to grow up there. Doesn't fish, doesn't hunt, doesn't you know? He he basically just grew up working and drinking. <laughs> but uh, yeah, he's uh, it's it's if Hollywood was making a movie, they'd cast him, wouldn't they, as the oh, LSU yes. football coach? Yeah. yeah. Uh, I do have a funny. I, I don't have the audio for it because it doesn't really come through. I have the audio, but it doesn't really come through. It's another press conference, but uh, a big part of uh, his appeal, it says, is his connection with the community. It's part of what makes him so successful at LSU. <laughs> to the untrained ear, however, his speech patterns are difficult to parse. This was evident in the valiant efforts of the closed captions people during Oregon's <laughs> press conference when they couldn't, they couldn't, they didn't understand what he was saying, so it was null and void. <laughs> they just gave up. <laughs> yeah, it was. Uh, 
Yeah, I, I agree with Joe, though. I think he must have worked on his enunciation because I remember when he got a job a couple of years ago, and I'm saying, this guy needs closed caption, man. That's it's essentially a, why USC didn't keep him. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah, he went 6-2 and two out there with a bad team. But uh, Here he is in uh, 2016, his first. It's a great day in Tiger football. It's a great day of my life, I promise you that. First of all, I want to thank Joe Oliva, <laughs> King Alexander, the Tiger family for having the confidence. And name me the head coach at LSU. This is a great day for us. I want to introduce my wonderful wife, Kelly. She is my head coach and my son, Tyler. You, you guys, please stand. Give him a hand there. Thank you. <laughs> I want to thank Coach Miles for bringing me here. And uh, it's a place that I always want to come. Coach Miles is a great man, as we all know, and he's taught me a lot of stuff. I've competed against him. And Coach Miles left the team in first class, and he walked out and he said, Ed, I'll support you. And... Uh, we gave him a standard ovation, and on we, on we moved on. You know, coaching here at LSU, I grew up watching Ronnie Estee and Arthur Cantrell and Charlie Mack coach and watch Pete Jenkins coach, who, by the way, is going to be back here tomorrow, and uh, we're happy about that. And just watching the passion and the energy in Tiger Stadium and having been an opponent coming into the stadium and understand the intimidation of the Tiger family. You know, Fleck is, just as, Fleck is just as much of a character, but for totally different reasons. Yes, yeah, yeah, <laughs> Fleck is. Uh, and I, I, I got a hunch that Ed, Ed, I think, I always get the impression PJ knows what he's going to say next. I think Ed probably not too sure, right? <laughs> I, think, I think he's just talking, don't you? You ever see the movie he's, The King's Speech? Oh, yeah. Well, I think Ed probably had a coach there. They're working on it. <laughs> yeah, they probably are. <laughs> That's true. I love that state, though. I just... Because whenever I've been there, I mean, it's just filled with characters and uh, great writing down there. Their sports writers have always been good. I got some friends who are sports writers, and they, but they have such a rich, rich things to call on. You know, I mean, everybody's, uh, you know, every place they go, they're going to run into goofballs and characters. And uh, I mean, you live down there, man. It's uh, it's different. There's the town that he uh, he ended up going to Northwestern State, which is up on the border over by Texas, and Nachi Nachi Dolchus, which is right next to, and on the Texas side it's Naga Dolchus, which is you know uh, uh, spelled the opposite, and it's uh, it, it, every place in that state is just you got goofballs all over, you and that's it. why. You got to go home and help the wife with cable TV. Oh man, if I'm not there, the threats have been made. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. She's, uh, you know, I brought this up before, but she just doesn't like me as well as she used to. Well, <laughs> they she get even, to that point, Pat. Yeah, Pat, I know. My question would be: Did she even like you that much then? You know, <laughs> I keep telling her we we had a pretty. Good run for about well, three or four not years. Over. Hang on a second. No, here. where we got along. No, no. I mean, oh, for, okay. for twenty years we battled, right? Right. Yeah. right. Then we had four, five, six years that weren't bad. Weren't bad, but boy, the last two or three, my, uh, yeah. she's raised her standards for my behavior. I want to tell you, <laughs> and I haven't raised my behavior. That's the problem. So you know what I, might you know what might help? How about a little fondue? A little fondue, <laughs> maybe, yeah. Bring her some fondue. Worst time be in American history. Eating out of the palm of your hand with fondue. Yeah, I don't even know if they have that down here, do they? <laughs> but, no uh, idea. You get a pot, you put. Well, some here's the problem. You know, here's the problem. It's she's very upset about the TV, the way 
you know, they came in and the whole complex put in, they put in a new provider. They got rid of Xfinity and brought in whatever this outfit is. Mm-hmm. And that was about four days ago and it's been screwed up. So she's very upset about that. But when she gets home, she's going to have streaming instead of what she had previously. Oh, boy. And if that doesn't work, yeah. it's all over. It's baby. done. It's done. I'll be living in that little shed outside yeah. uh, around the corner there. I'll be <laughs> moving into the shed. Well, you know, you better have it done because the bachelor's on at 8 o'clock your time tonight. So she's, not a, she's, she's not into that. But She's not? Okay. If, only rookie uh, is. Only, uh, well, if she, only if, my family member. If though. she misses some housewives screaming at each other, she gets very upset. Maybe that's what she's trying to be—a housewife of Golden Valley. I keep telling her that I don't think this is this anger on the housewives is is spontaneous. I think it's scripted. You think there might be a producer prodding? I, I think they might say, "Come on, tell her she's a b-word or something." So <laughs> I don't know. Hey, hey we anyway. should mention we should mention the Gophers beat Michigan. In, uh, yes, Daniel Otura. Enjoy him while you can. He'll be in the lottery next year. He'll be mm-hmm. top ten draft choice, don't you? Right, Raven? He is a he is a beast. And he's, he's got good, good feet, and uh, he can shoot a little bit. And uh, you know, if I was uh, playing the Gophers, I would double team him at all times and uh, hope that the uh, outside it, shooters aren't making their shots. He was a missed tip in from them beating Purdue in overtime last week too. And Purdue uh, goes and gets 37 points against Illinois the next game. And then last night, was there, the day before, they held Michigan State to 42. Yeah. So uh, it's a weird uh, weird what's going on in college hoops. Oturu hurt his shoulder yesterday, had to go into the locker room. They thought he was dead and never mm-hmm. going to see him again. He came out and played again. Yes, uh, he was, uh, yeah, he's a stud, that's for sure. How'd he get up? Did he, did he grow up wanting to go to Creighton there, uh, Rook? Is that his there? The only thing I know about him is I told Sophia, if he does become a lottery pick, <laughs> then you can call him back. <laughs> right oh. now, hold steady. And, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, well. He, he inquired once and Sophia said, I'm, I'm not, I'm not interested. Uh, don't, uh, don't rush into that stuff. Let's stay making, you know, you can marry for love and you can marry for money and money lasts a lot longer. That's what I said. Don't do what mom and I did. Marry for money first, love the second time. The Twin Cities version of Confucius, Greg Wong. That's <laughs> well, you better go and fix that All problem. Right. All right, I'll let you know how how she came out. All okay, right, goodbye. very good. All right, see you. All right, all this talk about Cajun has got me talking about Jack's Cafe. Jack's Cafe online at jackscafe.com. Uh, I would do yourself a favor, and the Jack's annual Mardi Gras brunch is Sunday, February 23rd. Uh, you need to call for reservations, but some of the great stuff they have on the menu here is very Cajun, and I want you to experience that. So whether or not it's a Mardi Gras brunch or maybe it's just date night, pick up the Rookie VIP date night menu, and you will get dinner for two, four-course meal, dessert included, and a bottle of wine. You'll get to see what the backyard, uh, the patio looks like. I don't know how they decorate it after the holidays. You'll find out, and you can report back to me if you would like to maybe book a party. Your work party or maybe your family party or maybe your wedding. They can accommodate up to 300, and they do it with style. Great ambiance. Give them a buzz at Jack's Cafe. Go to jackscafe.com, 612-789-7297. They're at 1920 University Avenue Northeast, right at 20th, and you will have a wonderful meal, wonderful ambiance, and you'll be telling others just like I am right now. It is jackscafe.com, three generations of family, wonderfully run business. Don't forget to tell them you heard it on the Monday Night Sports Talk podcast. We'll catch you next time.